Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings. Visit accessibility.com today. Hey there. I am so happy to have you back for this last episode of Thrive for 2022. I can't believe we've gotten here, but we have gotten here. Last time I talked with Caleb Clark about the people first approach to agency leadership at his organization. And as we round out this year, today's conversation is going to be all about acquisitions. Khalil Stoltz is a growth consultant and investor who knows a lot about acquiring agencies. And since I've also been through one myself, we've got a lot to talk about today. Khalil, a warm welcome to Thrive. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Hey, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So you have a super interesting origin story. We have some parallels in there, but I know you've kind of went from corporate to entrepreneurship. Talk a little bit about how that journey has been for you from you know early days in corporate America to now acquiring agencies. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's been quite a journey. You know, I actually started out in sales, you know, in the transportation logistics space. Uh, so B2B sales. I was cold calling 150 calls a day for about four years straight. So I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah, hence the, the gray hair here. So but um, <laughs> I got you too. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was uh, did very well at it. Uh, became a top 3% producer out of 100 sales reps in the office. Eventually became one of their uh, sales trainers and sales coaches in the office. So I was one of those guys who could do it and teach it. Transitioned to insurance, to the insurance industry. Also a top producing sales rep. I was with a, a leading insurance company that most have heard of uh, here in the U.S. They have an office of about a thousand sales reps here in Orlando. I performed in top three percent once again, and also became one of their sales coaches. So again, some repeatable things. You know, I was kind of producing, if you will, and kind of you know packaging, if you will. But I, you know, started to get the entrepreneurial bug. I had a family at this time. Wanted to build something for myself, and I kind of my thought process was is like, okay, I'm great at sales. I'm making six figures as a sales rep, that sort of thing, which is great. But I always have to do that work. Right. Come next month on the first, I'm back at zero. Right. So when you kind of look at it in hindsight, it's like you, you put in effort, and it's like, okay, what is that effort doing for me today? So that, that mindset started to take root and grow. Uh, I decided to dive headfirst and be an entrepreneur as crazy as I was, I guess, you know, I'm <laughs> a fan of so forth, right? So my first attempt at being an entrepreneur was actually to try and buy a $7 million trucking company. So I swung for the fences. I'm sure you can imagine, Kelly, I didn't exactly have a million dollars in my bank account after leaving my job, go figure, right, to buy a $7 million company. But I decided to get resourceful. I tried to partner with someone um, who bought companies before bring him on as a credit partner to help fund this deal. So I had the industry background. It was a good fit. So it turned out that the deal was unfundable because the business owner had a divorce and a non-compete legal battle back to back. And he ran those legal expenses through his business, which I'm sure you can guess how banks feel about that. Right. You know? so, so, you know, we had a tough time trying to get it funded. So in essence, I wasn't able to come up with a million dollars, but after kind of getting creative, being that that was really my only option, you know, I was able to add about $880,000 back to the, the, the company's net bottom line is cash. Just from re-engineering the business, tweaking some things, negotiating with vendors, 
without having to fire anyone, anything like that. And that's even prior to implementing any growth strategy. So, and that kind of catapulted me into a lot of things I do today, going on and partnering with companies, acquiring companies, implementing growth strategy, financial optimization strategy. But one instance that sticks out in particular in kind of this journey was my first marketing lead generation agency. And I took an equity stake uh, in a smaller one doing less than six figures a year with a close friend of mine who had been, you know, marketing consultant and he was just kind of wasn't able to really grow it the way he wanted to. So ultimately what happened was we grew it to about, you know, 20 plus K per month, which is cool. But it got to a point where I was kind of like, look, we're continuously putting in this effort and it's, we, we all know that plateau as entrepreneurs that we hit every now and again, right? Sometimes for us, it's cyclical. It happens again and again, each level we get to, but I started thinking, I was like, there's, there's got to be a better way to, I don't like the short way. Maybe some of you entrepreneurs are like me, you know, like I like to skip steps and I'm crazy enough to think that's, that's literally the definition of an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, right? to- like exactly. You know, like I, I want to skip some steps here, call it ADHD, what have you, but I want to kind of push my progress a little faster. So what I started to do was I started to transition from focusing just on marketing and sales to focus on growth through strategic partnerships. Right. And that we grew 240% in a matter of three months, roughly. So we were starting to see exponential growth. Right. But even then, you know, like as amazing as it is, I'm like, okay, what's bigger than that? How can I get more bang for my effort? Really was my thought process. So I started, I, I kind of started to go back to what I started with, which was, wait, like, I can sit here and keep trying to grow companies, which I'm great at, like lead generation, marketing, sales, financial. I could do all of that. I'm great at it. But like, what if I could grow a whole company at a time, right? Think about that. So that, that was kind of my logic. So uh, I kind of I finally came up with the idea, like, I'm going to sell my agency, end up selling a majority stake in it, that sort of thing. And I'm going to focus just full head on in acquiring and optimizing companies. Mm. And that was that transition, that thought process that kind of got me here. It's like, look, whatever you focus on is what's going to grow. Right. And why not? Why not focus on the thing that's going to get me several steps ahead with each each move, as opposed to you know the lower leverage tasks. Right. Which for most business owners, marketing, sales, obviously pretty important, right? But I started to realize it's not the best way to grow wealth. Best way to grow wealth, in my opinion, is you know growing a company at a time as opposed to a customer at a time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me there. Yeah. Also, your it sounds like your priorities or your goals were aligned with that, whereas you know uh, an existing agency owner, their goals may not be aligned with that, right? So, but for you, this was what really was driving you. It sounds like. Yeah, I might even uh, I might even beg to differ. I think, and maybe I am biased, but I really can't see a business problem that couldn't be solved with the right acquisition. I mean, mm-hmm. you need to hire somebody. All right. Why not find a company that already, already has the talent that you need? That's mm-hmm. already profitable. That's already trained. Right. You want more customers. Why not acquire a bolt on solution that's already serving that same ICP? It's already profitable. Right. You, you can very well double your company in a single transaction. It already has an, an additional cl- uh, audience base to serve that you can cross sell your opportunities with. Yeah. Right, grows the valuation of your previous business right off the bat just by acquiring that company. Again, maybe I'm biased, but I really couldn't see a, a business problem that couldn't be solved with the right acquisition. And quite truthfully, that takes less effort than sales and marketing. <laughs> that's an in, that's an interesting uh, point for sure. It's interesting because the the person who acquired my agency back in 2016 thought exactly like you, right? Yeah. 
there was nothing that couldn't be solved through acquisition. Again, I think it does go back to what if you're not, if your goal, your objective is not to, to triple your business, right? Then acquisition may not be right for you, right? And some people do want to stay with the smaller team. They want to service fewer clients, et cetera. So I just want to keep some space, hold some space for some people whose their objectives are are just not exponential growth in that way. Which, you know, there's there's no right or wrong. It's just what's right for you, right? What works for you. Yeah. So, but let's talk about acquisition because that's why you're here today. What kinds of things do you look for when you're thinking about acquisition, you know, in terms of acquiring an agency or an agency like in the creative media technology space, like something from that standpoint, what makes one agency more ideal than another? Great question. I personally definitely love to see opportunity for upside. So I love to see a areas that are, you know, I like to see a good business that has some areas that could be improved upon. That is a big thing for me. I like to create upside value. So that's huge, right? Some of those examples could be, hey, they got a whole data list or email list that they're not want, that they're not keeping warm. All right, there's there's some potential clients on that list. Typically, mm-hmm. a few thousand, you know, list could be some some opportunities there if the right processes were implemented implementing a, a systemized customer referral program. Those are things that, you know, if they're missing, that's opportunity for me. I also love to see a business that has systems and processes that can run without the owner. Right. That's, that's a big one. That's a big one. You know, like you don't want the business to fall out, fall over the moment the business owner steps away. And it's like, you really don't have a business to sell. You have right. You have your independent job as a self-employed. Right. You have you have a workhorse. <laughs> you have a workhorse, and last thing we want to do is pay a chunk of money for the workhorse to leave, and now the business falls over. Right, so right. Um, that's not fun as a buyer. Definitely, some of those, those are some things that come to mind. Uh, immediate, you know, areas of opportunity for upside, as well as a business that is repeatable. Right, that has repeatable processes that that's not going to fall over when the previous owner transitions. Did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability? I'm proud to partner with Accessibility as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone. It's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client's sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibility.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now, back to the show. So let's talk about the owner for a second, because I think this is probably, if I'm going to venture a guess here, I'm going to say that most agency owners that are listening to this or watching this are still in some way, shape or form in the weeds, maybe not in client work. Maybe you've gotten yourself out of that, but you're definitely handling the majority, if not all of the business development, right? So talk a little bit about that. Like what, what do you see as if an agency leader is thinking about acquisition two, three, four years from now, right? Cause you, you, you think about it all the time. Maybe I did yeah. <laughs> four years out. I started thinking about it, but what do they need to start extracting themselves from? Let's say, for example, if they're no longer doing client work, they've got that off of their plate, but they're also like really, really embedded in every other part of the agency. Yeah, I, I would definitely say, you know, obviously you mentioned a huge one, customer success, client support. It's a big one. Sales, 
big one, right? Again, uh, think, even if, uh, and I, I like to put, you know, think of it this way, even if you're not considering selling your business right now, start looking at what the process entails, because that's going to open your eyes to a lot of things in the business that could be optimized. So that's definitely a way I look at it, but definitely the, the revenue generation activities. Hopefully those aren't reliant on them, right? You know, again, those are the type of things where, okay, hypothetically, if the owner's removed, then technically the sales stop, right? Not, not fun. So um, those are definitely some things we definitely want to uh, ensure that a business owner is properly mitigating and has process, you know, has processes in place for. Yeah. Um, I, like, I was just okay. going to say as a follow-up to that, how do you feel about an agency that's leveraging another agency, like an outsourced agency to handle their business development, their lead generation? That's a great question. I'm not opposed to it. Me personally, I find that's different though, between, you know, some of my network of other investors, some people aren't as favorable towards that because mm-hmm. uh, they want more control internally. So right? they want more inside sales happening, but not the, the owner being the one that's solely handling that. That particular piece is going to vary between investor preference. Okay. So speak from what I've seen, but yes, for the most part, I'd, I'd say so. For me, I don't mind an additional agency being utilized. If there's a clear ROI that makes sense, why not? Because that that gives me leverage internally, so to speak. Less internal team I have to manage if they're if they're doing a great job. They know what they're doing. They can focus on that one thing. I'm I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. at least for a season. So I don't think that's that's big of a problem. Got so. it. Got it. And do you ever? So so let's say like you you identify an agency, you start you know working with them, and you realize that this is going to move forward. Do you also start working with the agency owner on communication to the team, letting the team know, hey, this is happening. You know, how do we message this in a way that no one's scared that they're losing their jobs when the acquisition is going to happen, if that is true? You know, how do you kind of navigate all of that? What do you advise them on? That's a great question. I've I've seen this done uh, in, you know, whether, you know, both ways. Here's what most companies do that sell in a retail fashion. Most companies don't even tell their employees until it's done. Typically speaking, I can see the reason for that because again, you can cause uproar and scare with your team, A, and they could get really frazzled, especially when something hasn't happened yet. What a lot of entrepreneurs do and what I've seen is that they they wait to tell them when it's actually final and it's for sure. Um, but typically speaking, yeah, um, it's not uncommon to kind of walk them through that process. Now, I've seen the opposite side too, where former owners have made their team aware ahead of time that they're beginning the process to sell the company. It, it has, it, this is rare, but it has happened where the team is fine. They're okay. They might be nervous, but they're, they're okay and they want to stick around. Yeah. That's not normally the case in my experience, though. Yeah, um, yeah that was the case in my experience, but it was rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I'd even be curious to hear how you navigated that. You know, like I've found a lot of times when, People tell employees they could eat, you know, a try, you know, say, hey, you know what, I'm going to leave, kind of thing, because they they're kind of uncomfortable, or afraid of what could happen with the new. So, I'd even be curious to hear how you navigated telling them. Hey, yeah, yeah, I, I and, you know, I won't go too far into the details, but I just I thought about transparency across the board because there were three different options available to us in terms of who would acquire, and I said, hey, like. This is what's happening. I want you to look at all these different companies. It's ultimately it's going to be my choice, but 
it feels like, you know, you've invested in me as much as I've invested in you. And like, I just wanted to be transparent. And I think that was the right move for me. Cause that's also, that was the culture that we had, you know, so transparent communication. And then whoever wanted to stay would stay, whoever wanted to leave would leave. And I would help them get other jobs at other places. So I love that. yeah. And trust me, I mean, it's been what, seven years now they have all like their careers have skyrocketed. It's been amazing to watch and to continue to be a part of their lives. So it, it can happen. You know, you say it's rare, but I think that the world is moving more toward transparent communication, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's great. So you, so you do kind of advise a little bit about that, you know, on that. For these agency leaders or owners or founders who are watching this, they're listening, they do have this in their head. Maybe they've had it in their head for a long time, or maybe this conversation is, is sparking that for the first time. What, aside from what we've talked about already, what are some of the things that they need to start considering these, these few years out? Yeah, there's, I'll put it this way. As business owners, there are certain, there are certain forms of value that we should be aware of that we're creating when it comes to a business. There's, you know, customer value, the things that we build to add more value to our customers to incentive, you know, that sort of thing. That that's probably the one that most entrepreneurs are most aware of, right? Customer value. There's team value. What are the things you do within the company to add value to your team, to you know, optimize for them, that sort of thing. And the third one that most don't think about, in my opinion, are uh, is shareholder value, right? We spend most of our entrepreneurial journeys and career thinking about our customer. Many entrepreneurs aren't fortunate enough to build to where they have a team. So that's secondary, but very even fewer entrepreneurs ever get to the point where they actually think about an end buyer and what's valuable to them. So I would say if you're uh, if you're ever walking down that path of considering acquisition, I start to think about those, you know, really more in depth. Those two, especially that last that last one, that shareholder value. How do you structure a, uh, a business that adds value to a quote unquote shareholder, mm-hmm. not just an um, owner manager? That form of thinking is going to open up a lot of perspective on, on what to focus on in the business. That's a great point. That's a great point. And we'll leave it there. Um, there's so many questions around this. You know, I know we're sort of just like, you know, at the tip of the iceberg here, but in the show notes, we will have a link to your website and even your email if you're open to that, because I know that a lot of people will have questions. I was in this boat. I had tons of questions. I couldn't call enough other agency owners fast enough. So I really want to thank you for joining me today. I want to wish everyone happy holidays. Every single person who's been watching and listening over these, however many years we've been doing this really, really appreciate your support. And I will catch you next year for a whole new season of thrive. Khalil, thank you again, my friend. Thank you, Kelly. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibi, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibi.com forward slash thrive.